All right, praise the Lord. It is so good to be here. Um, if you don't know, I was not here at church last week, and I really hate missing church, especially this one. I try to make it to this one all the time. <laughs> but um, for those who didn't know, I was away because I caught COVID. And so don't worry, uh, I feel much better now. I did my 10 days of quarantine. I read some, I watched a lot more documentaries than I would have cared to watch, uh, but I do feel much better now. My family did actually um, catch it as well, and so we've been kind of having a little bit of a series. They're doing much better as well, but unfortunately, they're just going to stay home a little longer, so they're joining us right now online, so I just want to say hi to my family. <laughs> but, um, but I'm really glad to be back. Um, again, I really wanted to be here. Miss you guys last week. I did join you online, um, and I know that Brother Zach, I want to give a big thanks and a shout out to him because he literally, on two days' notice, came here and gave a Mother's Day message. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Zach, you got to help me out. And on top of that is Mother's Day. So you can't like, have like, flexibility. You can't preach on the end times. Because I know you have that message that you love to preach. It's got to be on Mother's Day. And he's like, I'm there. I'll do it. So, and he gave a great message. And so given the little time he has. So thank you, Brother Zach, if you're ever going to see this or hear it. Now, before we get into the word, uh, normally I don't have this much like chatting before we read the passage, but I did want to uh, pray for the students. I think Brother Chris mentioned earlier that we actually have a little bit of an outbreak in our church, um, not because of me or anyone in particular, but I think it's just kind of going around. But uh, there's been some COVID going around the students, and so uh, you might notice a lot of students aren't here, uh, but it's because some of them are sick, and I think some of them are just kind of staying away to be safe. But... But let's pray for them. Let's pray that the students are going to be well, they're going to be healthy, and they can join us again very soon. But let's pray for them. But Father God, we just want to come before you, Lord, today, and we give you all the glory, Lord, for you are the head of this church, and you are guiding and leading this church. And Lord God, even with the bumps that we go through and the different things that are unexpected, we know that, Lord Jesus, you are still upon the throne, and you are guiding all things for the good. And right now, Lord Jesus, there is sickness that has been going through our community. I was unaware of it until even recently, but we do want to lift up anyone and everyone who is sick. We want to lift up those students in particular, Father, who is dealing with COVID. Thankfully, Lord God, I haven't heard of any serious illness or anything that is beyond just a normal sickness, but I do pray for quick recovery. I pray that they would just bounce back very quickly in the same way that I feel that I experienced, and I pray in Jesus' name that they can be back and worshiping with us very soon. And I also pray for ongoing protection upon our church so that we can not be hindered in gathering and moving forward and doing your will here in Riverside and around the world. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, praise God. Okay, open up your Bibles to Romans 12, 1 through 13, and we're going to get straight into the passage. But Romans 12, 1 through 13. It feels like it's been so long since we've been here looking at spiritual gifts, but Romans 12, 1 through 13. If you're joining us here in person, it'll be up on the screen behind me, and if you're joining us online, it'll be on your screen at home. But Romans 12, 1 through 13. Okay, this is God's word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be serve, I'm sorry, fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we give you all the glory again, Father, and we thank you for your holy word. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, you have a certain design in mind for the church, and that design includes, in fact, I would say is based upon spiritual gifts. That is how important it is. So I pray that as we are wrapping up this series this week and next week, I pray that you would just really drive home the things you want us to know, that you would convict our hearts and cause us to be stirred up to pursue spiritual gifts, to discover what they are and begin to use them for your glory and for the blessing of the church, for your mission in the world. Father, please, Father, guide us towards your gifts. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, praise God. Well, today we're going to be jumping right back where we left off, which is spiritual gifts. That is the last time I was here. We were talking about discovering our spiritual gifts. And you know this by now, but every believer has a spiritual gift. No believer has all the gifts, but every believer has at least one gift. So if you're a believer sitting here today, you have a spiritual gift. This directly applies to you, and it is wrapped up all inside of you. And for many believers, unfortunately, that wrapping has never been taken off. But you have a spiritual gift. And what is a spiritual gift? It is a certain ability that God has given to you by his grace. It is a gift that's why the Bible calls it a charismata. Charismata simply means a gift. It is a charismatic thing in your life. It's a gift. And these gifts are not the same thing as natural talents. They can overlap with your natural talents, but they're not the same thing. Why? Because a natural talent isn't super empowered by the Holy Spirit, but a spiritual gift is. And unless you've really used your uh, spiritual gift, you don't quite know what that means, but it is something that is supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit doesn't do that to your natural talents, but he does do it if it becomes a spiritual gift or if you have a new gift you never had before. And this is why a spiritual gift is powerful and effective. There's a particular fruitfulness in your gift. Again, in ways that your natural talent does. I mean, you might be good at something. People might enjoy you doing it. But it doesn't have the same kind of fruitfulness that a spiritual gift does. But there's a particular fruitfulness. There's a particular effectiveness when you use your gift to serve God. So when you're using your spiritual gift, I mean, what am I talking about? The church is going to start functioning better. Have you ever wondered why do some churches just kind of don't work well? 
And eventually, probably, you'll move on from that church. And other churches, they just seem to hum along. Well, it's because people are using their spiritual gifts in churches that function well. Have you ever been to a church where people are being drawn closer together? There's community, intimacy. Why? It's because people there are using their spiritual gifts of hospitality, of encouragement, of drawing people together. There are churches where people are growing spiritually. They're getting drawn closer to God. Maybe you're getting drawn closer to God in that church. What, what is going on? Well, at least one thing is happening. You're using your spiritual gift. You're finding joy as you come to church, serving God. Why? Because you're using your spiritual gift. So all these are wonderful things that begin to happen when people use, discover, and use their spiritual gifts. You know, I've been saying this almost every week, but your spiritual gift is not a secondary issue. It's not some niche topic like studying angels or you know, studying women's clothing in the Bible. I remember uh, some people really being into that. But it's not like that. This is not secondary. It's not like a niche topic. But it's one of the most direct ways you're going to experience God in your life. Far more than finding the latest retreat, the hot new thing happening out there, some conference, discover and use your spiritual gift, and you're going to experience God in ways you've never done before. It's at the very heart of God's call in your life. Like, why are you here in this world? Well, discover your spiritual gift, and you'll know why. It's the most significant way you will bless the church. Okay, you're not called to just come to church and just be a pew potato, right? Have you guys heard of pew? Like, you're not called to do that, but you're called to be a part of the church and actually serve the church and make an impact. How do you do that? Discover your spiritual gift. So this means all of us need, I'm talking about all of us here, we need your spiritual gift. We literally need you to discover and start using your spiritual gift. Did you hear that? I'm not saying you need to do it. I'm saying we need that. We need you to discover your gift and use it. And I remember hearing a pastor tell his church this. But he said this. He's a very loving pastor, but he looked straight at them and he said, if you belong to this church and you're not using your spiritual gift, you're more harmful than helpful to the church. Just straight up. And when he said that, he wasn't putting anybody down. He was just saying a fact. But it's kind of like if there's an eye or a kidney, if you have an eye or a kidney that isn't doing what it's supposed to do, that's harmful, right? It's not helpful. That's harmful. And that's what that pastor was talking about. If you belong to this church but you don't know your gift and you're not using it, you are more harmful to the church rather than helpful. So spiritual gifts are vital to who we are in Christ. This is how God created us. This is how God created the church. The church literally can't even function unless people begin to discover and use their spiritual gifts. You know, I've mentioned this in the previous weeks, but this is why Paul, when he saw all the craziness going on in the Corinthian church, he never shut it down. He didn't look at them going, no more spiritual gifts for you. I mean, they were going out of control with spiritual gifts. But didn't even cross his mind to shut them down. Why? Because he knew, if I shut down spiritual gifts, I'm going to shut down the church. That's how vital gifts are. So spiritual gifts are vital. If you have at least one, you probably have more, you need to discover it. You need to begin to use it. It's all wrapped up inside of you, but you need to take that wrapper off. So this is what we started talking about the last time I was here preaching. But we started talking about discovering your spiritual gifts. I mentioned six different things. If you're a note-taker, you probably have it somewhere stuffed, stuffed away. If you're not a note-taker, you probably forgot what they were. But let me mention them. But there were six different things. And today I'm going to add a seventh, so there's a bonus. So seven different things you can do to discover your spiritual gifts. 
And I want to go through all of them today. You know, I was thinking about maybe only doing half again, finishing it up, but I just want to run through all of them so you kind of get a, a full picture, the whole map. Okay, so six, and there's a bonus one. So seven different things you can do to discover your spiritual gifts. Okay, number one, we already looked at this last time, but receive from Christ. Before anything else, you got to receive from Christ. Okay, before you can discover your spiritual gift, you must first have spiritual gifts. Okay, this is probably the, the most straightforward, almost kind of dumb. It sounds dumb to say it. But you need to have spiritual gifts in order to discover spiritual gifts. And how do you receive spiritual gifts? How do you have them? Become a believer. Okay, straight up, just become a believer through repentance and faith in Christ. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Here, a gift of God is not spiritual gifts. He's talking about the gift of salvation. But look at what your salvation is connected to. So, okay, you're saved, right? That's a gift. But look at what it's connected to. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. This is just the very next verse. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we shall walk in them. So Paul here is saying, you're saved to serve. They're connected. You're saved to serve. And how do you serve? Paul told us later, Ephesians 4, through spiritual gifts. He makes it very clear. Read a few chapters later, and he talks about spiritual gifts. This is how you serve. This is how you begin to walk in these good works that he prepared beforehand. So what am I saying? You can't be saved and not have spiritual gifts. And if you're not saved, you don't have spiritual gifts. They're connected. You're saved to serve. Through spiritual gifts. So if you want to have the spiritual gifts, if you want to discover what they are, you got to be saved first. I know this sounds very basic. Some of you guys are kind of tuning out right now. But I'm here to tell you, this is where a lot of churchgoers, they they get stopped. They get stopped in their tracks. They never go on to discover their spiritual gifts. Why? Because they don't have any. They don't have any. They were never saved through genuine repentance and faith in Christ. So they'll sit through a message like this, an entire series like this. They go to a church that talks about it, teaches on it, and they never discover it. Why? Because they don't have any. And they're wondering, oh, I I don't know. I don't know. I just don't seem to have any. I can't find them. Well, my encouragement is that's you, then go back to the beginning. You need to receive Christ. That could be the issue. So the first step before anything else is receive Christ. Receive his gift of salvation, and then you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. So have you done that? Have you repented of your boasting? Okay, I already talked about that last week. I'm talking about trusting in yourself. I'm going to do my own thing, right? I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do it my way. Okay, that's boasting. Have you turned away from that? Have you turned to Jesus? Have you put your total trust in Jesus? You know, yesterday we had an amazing kickoff to our Malawi mission training, and the director of that mission, I mean, her story just really moved me. It was so powerful. But her whole story was basically her just yielding, submitting to God's purpose over her life. That doesn't save her, but that's the fruit of salvation, right? That was proof that she was saved. But have you yielded yourself to Jesus? Put your total trust in him. And for that woman, she got called to Malawi, right? And she's doing crazy things there. You'll hear more about it. But have you trusted totally into Jesus your entire life? Have you received new life? Do you have a new identity in Christ? I don't want to skip over this, because if you haven't, then you don't have spiritual gifts. In fact, you don't even have eternal life. 
But if you have, then you have spiritual gifts. Okay, so that's the first step. Have you received Christ, received from Christ? Okay, number two. Now we're going to get into the more practical things. Okay, research spiritual gifts. Okay, number two, research spiritual gifts. Okay, I believe this is why Paul told the Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Actually, let me ask you, why, why did he say that? Why did he tell the Corinthians, I don't want you to be uninformed? Another translation is ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Well, you might think, well, it's because they didn't understand them. Yes, that's true. But why is understanding spiritual gifts so important? Why did Paul tell them, okay, this is a command from God. Don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Well, the reason why I think he said that is because spiritual gifts have great responsibility. When you receive a spiritual gift, it is so important you understand them. Why? Because they come with great responsibility. Okay, who said with great power comes great responsibility? Okay, I heard that somewhere. <laughs> Spider-Man? Okay, Spider-Man said that. But it's true, right? Not all truth is in the Bible. Well, everything in the Bible is true, but there can be truth out there. But it's true, right? There's great responsibility when you receive a spiritual gift. In fact, every gift from God comes with great responsibility, and that's including spiritual gifts. You know, one Bible teacher said it like this, spiritual gifts are not only for enjoyment, they're for employment. How many of you guys have a job? You know, the moment you get a job, it's like, oh, I'm so thankful for this, but there's a lot of responsibility here. Okay, that's like spiritual gifts. It's not just for enjoyment, it's for employment. In other words, there's a lot of responsibility when you get a spiritual gift. God wants to accomplish his great and mighty purposes through you, right? Even if it's just right here at the promise or maybe in your community at school. But God wants to do great things through them. There's a lot of responsibility. And this is why you need to understand them. You know my son Joshua, uh, he might be listening right now. So Joshua, I'm talking about you. <laughs> but he's going to be turning 13 next month. And that means in just a few years, he's going to be getting his driver's license. Shocking, right? I can't even imagine my, my son driving. But my son will be 16 in just a few years, in three years. And a lot needs to happen between now and then if he's going to drive, get behind a car. But let's suppose he does nothing, right, between his 13th birthday and his 16th birthday. He literally does nothing in terms of learning how a car works. He doesn't understand how the pedals work, the different pedals. Why are they different? He learns nothing about the traffic laws. He knows nothing about what the readings on the dashboard are. I mean, he literally spends zero time learning nothing about driving. And then imagine on his 16th birthday, he wakes up, and he's like, hallelujah, right? I'm 16 now. And then he runs to me and Jill, and he says, mom, dad, give me the car keys. Okay, I know exactly what he's going to be doing on his 16th birthday. Whatever it is, he's not going to be driving, Right? He's not going to get my keys. He's not going to get behind a, a car, behind the wheel of a car, right? And it's obvious. It's because with that kind of a gift, the gift of driving, to have a driver's license, there's a lot of responsibility. You've got to understand a lot of things. And so when I look at spiritual gifts, it's kind of like that. Okay, you cannot be given a gift, a gift like driving or even a greater gift like spiritual gifts and have no understanding. Okay, there's a lot of responsibility there are things that you need to learn. There are things that you need to understand first before you can use these gifts safely and effectively. And so these are spiritual gifts. 
Now, unlike my son's driver's license, he doesn't have it yet. God has already given you gifts. Okay, by his grace and mercy, you already have it. But again, if you want to discover them and begin to use them, I mean, you got to learn some things. Okay, it's not like, oh, okay, God, just, just give it to me. Okay, let me just use it. No, you got, you got to spend some time understanding. Okay, go through some teaching if you're going to really begin to discover and use them. Again, this is why Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Don't be dumb about it. That's what he's saying. Don't be ignorant. Don't be dumb when it comes to spiritual gifts. So then what can you do, right? How do you begin to learn about spiritual gifts? Well, just three simple ways. Start with the Bible. I don't know if you guys remember, but I think about a month ago, I went over different passages in the New Testament talking about gifts. But I'll mention them again. There are three big ones. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. You might want to write it down or just memorize it. Romans 12. Ephesians 4. Start there, right? Start with these passages. Go back, study them. Okay, forget about study. Just read them. <laughs> Start by reading them. It's amazing how much Christians talk about spiritual gifts, and yet when you ask them, they've never even read the passages that teach on it in the Bible. And yet we talk about it, talk about it, right? We're like looking up stuff online. Just go and read what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. And don't just read it, but actually have a commentary. There are free commentaries all the time, um, everywhere online. Matthew Henry's commentary is a good one. I use that even to this day. But you, yes, God bless you, brother. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, but use a commentary. So Matthew Henry's commentary. Open that up, look it up. 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, what does it say about 1 Corinthians 12? Romans 12, Ephesians 4. Just read the commentary and read the passage, hand in hand. Okay, that's where I would start. There are things written on these passages, right? Okay, here's another way. Get a good systematic theology book. Okay, you don't have to be intimidated by that. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa, that sounds pretty crazy. No, systematic theology book, all that is, is a book written by a theologian, but it's just a book where they take a topic like marriage, baptism, parenting, spiritual gifts, whatever topic, God, Jesus, and then they look at the whole Bible and they tell you everything that the Bible says about that topic. That's what theology is. What does the whole Bible have to say about this topic, like marriage? And they'll have a whole chapter on that. That's all it is. And there are chapters written on spiritual gifts. Okay, Wayne Grudem, Systematic Theology, that was one of the textbooks I had to read. It's very popular. You can find it everywhere, right? There might even be free versions now. But just find it. There's a whole chapter on spiritual gifts. What does the whole Bible have to say about spiritual gifts? It takes maybe like 40 minutes to read it, 30 minutes to read it. Pick it up. So that's the second way. And then third, you can pick up a good Christian book on spiritual gifts. There are literally dozens, maybe even like a hundred good books written on spiritual gifts. I've mentioned a few before. If you want recommendations, come and ask me. But there are books written on this entire topic. I'm talking about hundreds of pages. You could read it. You can read it. Now at this point, some of you guys are thinking, okay, thank you for that advice. There's no way I'm going to do any of that. Because <laughs> I don't have time, right? You're thinking, and let's just be honest, some of you guys are thinking that. I have no time. I can't do any of that. Well, let me just encourage you with some numbers that I recently came across, okay? But you have the time. Okay, trust me, you have the time. But the average person touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. The average person. And guaranteed, you're not touching your phone that many times to look up spiritual gifts, okay? You're touching that for all kinds of other stuff. 
The average person spends 144 minutes a day on social media. I'm talking about YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever, right? 144 minutes a day. That's more than two hours a day. That adds up to seven to ten years of your waking hours of life spent on social media. This doesn't include things like email, news, video games. You spend a lot more time on all that other stuff too. So what am I saying? You have time. You have time. You can spend a few hours studying spiritual gifts. You can do it. So that's the second thing. Again, with spiritual gifts comes great responsibility. you got to know some stuff. Again, I would never dream of giving my son the car keys unless he actually learned some things and had an understanding of how to drive. Okay, Joshua, you're hearing this? But, yeah, you got to learn some things, right? And then it's like, okay, here, enjoy. Be careful, but enjoy. Okay, number three, risk new opportunities. So here's another thing you could do. Step number three, take some risks. Now, this is where you really begin to see spiritual gifts emerge in a person's life. This is where you really begin to unwrap the gifts. Going back to my son, him reading books on driving, him learning all the traffic laws, if he memorized them perfectly, that's a good start, but that's not enough, right? That's not enough. Because if he wants to get his driver's license one day and actually sit behind the wheel of a car, what does he have to do? You know, he needs to actually get inside a car and begin to actually try it, right? He needs to take a risk. He needs to actually have a driver instructor next to him and take a risk and go on the streets and go onto the freeway. You got to take a risk. Same thing with spiritual gifts. You got to take some risks. Begin trying some things. But how do you do this, right? You might wonder how, though. Well, here's a very, very straightforward, very powerful way. Look around. Begin to look around the church. See, when you come to church, don't just be like, okay, me and Jesus. (laughs) But look around the church and begin to look for the needs all around you. And I promise you, if you begin to look for needs in the church, you're going to see them. Guarantee, you will find needs everywhere. And the particular needs that you notice, that is an indicator of maybe a spiritual gift inside of you. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But look around you and look for needs in the church, and you're going to begin to recognize certain needs that other people don't see, but you're going to see them. And the moment you begin to see those needs, you know what? Take a risk. What what do I mean? Step out and go, you know what? I see this need. Maybe I'll do something about it. Maybe I'll try to, you know, fulfill this need. And once you begin to do that, I believe that's when you begin to unwrap. Okay, this is the big step that a lot of people don't take. You're going to begin to see certain things that are going to begin to happen inside of you. These are spiritual gifts coming out. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? Why were you giving this gift? For the common good. That's the very purpose of gifts, so that you would see needs and begin to meet them in the church. He also said, Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You know where he said that? It was in the context of him talking about spiritual gifts. Go back, Romans 12. He's talking about spiritual gifts. Contribute to the needs of the saints. I believe Paul is saying this is one way you're going to exercise gifts, maybe even discover gifts. So look for needs all around you. So practically, okay, what what am I talking about? I'm talking about maybe you come here and you're like, man, Promise Church, I like Promise Church, but it's disorganized, right? Things are not organized. Maybe you go into the nursery room. I'm not saying this actually. We actually have a very nice nursery room. But you go in there and you're like, whoa, this is crazy chaotic. It's disorganized. 
or the AV equipment. This is not like organized at all, right? Or the welcome table or the food table. It is chaotic. Well, you're noticing that, but not everyone notices that, right? There's a reason why you notice that. It's because maybe that's your area of gifting. Okay, why, why do you notice that? And if you notice it, what do you do about it? Maybe another example is you look around and there's a lack of community. Okay, I, I've heard people bring this up. Some of you, you don't see it at all. You're like, community is fine, right? But others are like, no, it's not. I don't think community is fine here. I don't think there are opportunities for people to get to know each other at a deeper level. I don't, I don't see people getting drawn closer, building deeper friendships. I, I don't see that. Well, why don't you see that? Or why do you see that, I should say? Well, it's because that might be an area of gifting. So if you see it, then what are you going to do about it? Maybe take a risk, step out, try to meet that need. You talk to the right people. Maybe offer to organize something. Invite people to your place. Maybe talk to your CG leader. Do something together to CG. You get, you get what I'm saying. Another example, you look around, maybe you notice there's a lack of biblical teaching. Okay, Roy, I mean, you know, good effort. A for effort, but man, we need some more biblical teaching, right? Well, I want to really learn the word here. Why do you notice that? Not everyone notices that, trust me. Not everyone sees that, but you see it. Why? Again, maybe that's your area of gifting. So what are you going to do about it? You're going to come up here and preach. No, I'm just kidding. Well, what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there frustrated? No, talk to somebody. Talk to your CG leader. Talk to a leader. Maybe there's something you could help do. Maybe you could begin to lead Bible studies, begin to teach the word. So you get my point? Look around for all the needs in this church, and don't just pick things out, but maybe you notice it because that's your gifting. Maybe God wants you to do something about it. So this is huge, you guys. This is the first big step that you're going to take from just like now, oh, things are in my head to like this is real. Okay, I'm going to really begin to discover my gifts. You know, um, I mentioned yesterday we had our first Malawi missions meeting. It was awesome. Man, it was a powerful time actually. That's the word that came to my mind, powerful. We all gathered together. You know, we met the other team. Uh, there's actually several churches represented. There's one church. Most of the people are from this other church. We have, we have a lot. I think we might be the, are we the biggest representative? I, we might be. Promise Church has the most, and then there's another church, and then there are a few other churches. But we all met one another. We ate a meal together. We worshiped. The worship leader was a man who led worship in front of like 20,000 people. And I'm like, no wonder you're awesome, right? I was like, who is this guy? He had like this operatic voice. The whole house was ringing with worship. I was like, dude, this is crazy worship. Well, it's because he's led in front of 20,000 people. But anyway, we were worshiping God with all our hearts. We heard a crazy, powerful testimony from the director. So this was awesome. But one of the things that really stood out is we spent a huge amount of time assigning roles right, to all the different team members. And I didn't expect that. I didn't think it was going to take this long. But we spent a good amount of time, well over an hour, reading all the different positions that need to be filled. These are great needs. These positions, they had intimidating titles like U.S. Director of Transportation, U.S. Director of Snacks. It's like, oh my gosh, I mean, these are huge responsibilities, right? And it's like, wow, who's going to do all this? And yet, I was so blessed, but as the director kept saying, okay, here are the, all the things that we need done. Who wants to take on this role? I kind of looked down, and then I looked up a little bit, and then I saw one by one people from our church. I mean, other people from other churches too, but... Mostly I saw people from our church raising their hand, saying, I'll serve. I'm going to serve. I'll take on this role. I remember one brother even taking on like five roles in a row. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but it's like, I'll, I'll do it. And so these hands went up to meet these needs, right? 
Now, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I hope it turns out okay. <laughs> but, but, but I do know this, right? I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I do know this, that our missionaries are going to take a huge step forward in discovering their spiritual gifts, guaranteed. Everybody who volunteered, everyone who's a part of this team, they're going to, man, discover all kinds of things about their gifts on this trip. Why? Because they're taking a risk. He said, so this is the third step. This is huge. He doesn't want to spend so much time on it. You got to take a step of risk. You got to just step out there. I see needs. I want to do something about it. Okay, that could be your gifting. Okay, number four, reflect internally. Reflect internally. Okay, these are all ours. But when we're discovering our spiritual gifts, evaluating what's happening inside of you is just as important as evaluating what's happening around you. Is that clear? You don't just look at, okay, what, what are the needs around me and stuff out there. That's important. But it's just as important to look at what's happening in here, though, right, inside of me. Just a moment ago, I talked about seeing needs in the church. Well, those needs are on the outside, right? But do you know that when you recognize a need, there's also something happening on the inside? You know what it is? My wife calls it being bothered. <laughs> she talks about that. If, you, if you've ever done discipleship with her, you, you know. She mentions that a lot. But being bothered. So when you see a need on the outside, what's happening on the inside is you're going to get bothered, okay? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes it's sinful flesh. You know, people are just complaining all the time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a good bothered. Okay, that's not a bad thing to be bothered at church. It means God is doing something. You know, sometimes people have this false expectation of church. It's like, I'm just going to float into service, and all I'm going to think about is Jesus, and then after service, I'm going to float out of service thinking more about Jesus. Oh, my gosh, I didn't do that today. I'm such a bad Christian. Dude, dude wake up, man. <laughs> that, that's not even real. Okay, the reality is you're going to float into service or maybe drag yourself into service, and you're going to be bothered by stuff, and that's okay. Maybe that's God speaking to you. Okay, why are you bothered by stuff? Well, you, you recognize there's a need. I was like, oh, my gosh, again? Right? The welcome table is like that again. Again, I'm not mentioning Nate. Nate is doing a great job. <laughs> the nursery again? I mean, I can't even open the door. There are boxes stacked up against. I mean, again? I mean, you're bothered by stuff. Why? It's because God is speaking to you. Okay, don't float into church and float out. I mean, like open your eyes and recognize what's going on. It's okay to be bothered. Why? Because if you're being bothered by something, I'm talking about a real need. It's probably because that's a gifting again. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. You might want to circle that word. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, you might want to circle that, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, circle that. So what did you notice? In those verses. Okay, three times Paul mentioned what? Things happening inside. Okay, these are internal realities within a believer when you're exercising spiritual gifts. Okay, that's kind of a complicated way of saying stuff is happening inside of you when you're exercising spiritual gifts, right? There are things going on. So he mentions faith. Okay, there should be this sense of faith. What, what does that mean? Like when you're exercising spiritual gifts, you just have this trust in God. 
Okay, I've never opened up my home to 30 people, but I'm going to do it this weekend to invite them to have fellowship, dinner together. Maybe we'll have a little worship time. And I'm a little bit freaking out because my house is a mess, but I'm going to open it up. But as you begin to do it, as people begin to come into your house, you have this total faith in God. This is right. Okay, this, is, this is exactly what I need to do. You have this trust. Okay, do you have faith? Okay, that's an internal indicator of you exercising your gift. Okay, what, what else did he say? Zeal. Okay, doing something, but you're passionate about it. So maybe, you know, we had a brother doing this, but he saw the homeless. You know, most of us, we just kind of go, and we walk around them, but this brother walked straight to them and said, you know, this ain't right, that there are so many homeless people around our church. This was a different location. It seemed like wherever we go, they're always around, right? It's actually kind of a tragic thing. And yet this brother, he said, you know what? I, we got to do something. So he started a whole street ministry out of our church. It actually kind of grew to a point where we had a lot of, you know, people from the streets joining us in service. Like at one point, like 15 people, up to 15 people joining us. And why did he do that? And he did it for like a while, like over a year. It's because he had passion for it. He loved it. And I even asked him, he's like, hey, brother, why do you do this? You know, this is a lot of work. He's like, well, I just love it. I love it. So that could be another indicator of you exercising your gift. And so when you're giving, here's another indicator, joy. Are you happy? When you're giving of your time, your resources, your energy, as you're seeing a need, you're meeting that need, you're pouring out, and you're like, oh, I get so happy doing this, right? I love organizing, <laughs> right? I love feeding people, having them over. I love leading a Bible study. I just love all this stuff. Well, it could be a gift. So are you happy when you do certain things in the church, or are you tortured? So these are things that are happening inside of you that could be indicators, that could be your gift. So again, what's happening inside of you is just as important as what's happening around you when it comes to discovering your gifts. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. Um, you know what? We might actually, I'm not going to talk too much about it today, but we, we're going to actually have a workshop. We're going to hopefully, God willing, have a retreat this summer, um, kind of a smaller one. We usually have a big church-wide retreat, but we're going to have a smaller one where we talk a lot more about spiritual gift survey. But at least I want to mention today, but a spiritual gift survey could be a great tool. It could be very helpful. It's not perfect, but it could really kind of help you to identify what's happening inside of you. So a spiritual gift survey, you might want to consider doing that. By the way, if you do discipleship at our church, we take people through it. Okay, that's one of the steps. So what is happening inside of you? Okay, pay attention to that. Okay, number five. Wow, we're already on number five. Rate your fruitfulness. Okay, rate your fruitfulness. So the Bible says evaluate, right? Look at what's happening inside of you, but that's not all. Look at what's happening when you actually begin to try to meet needs. But rate your fruitfulness. The Bible says examine yourself with sober judgment. Paul said that in the context of spiritual gifts. Okay, look at Romans 12, 3 through 5. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Okay, when we read the Bible, you've got to understand how verses connect. But he said... Think of yourself in sober judgment. And we go, oh, okay, I should do that. And then we just read the very next verse like it's totally unrelated. No, they're all connected. Why is he saying have sober judgment? About what? He's talking about spiritual gifts. 
right after the very next verse, he's starting to talk about, well, you're just a member of this thing called the body of Christ, and then he launches into spiritual gifts. So what are you supposed to have sober judgment about? How God has gifted you. What he wants you to do in the body of Christ. He, he, he's saying, as you look around and start to see needs, and you begin to meet these needs, then have sober judgment. What you can do, what you can't do. In other words, evaluate. Right? What, what, what is good? When I start doing this, is there fruit? Is there no fruit? Is there good fruit? Is there bad fruit? So Paul is saying, evaluate yourself with sober judgment. So he's saying, don't think that you have more than you have. Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm t tomorrow, next week, I'm going to lead worship. <laughs> right? It's like, I'll preach the next sermon, Roy. Well, actually, I want more people to preach. But, but it's like, I'll do that. Well, okay, maybe, but maybe you don't have what it takes, right? Like, maybe that's not what you should be doing. So don't think you have more than you have, but also don't think you have less than you have. Oh, I, I can't do that. No, no. Pass out bulletins? No way, right? I get so shy. No, I think you could do that. <laughs> I think you actually enjoy doing that. So don't think you have less than you have. So evaluate with sober judgment. So this is so important, brothers and sisters. Yeah, all these steps, they really build on each other, but this is so important. Because we just talked about evaluating what's happening on the inside, right? We talked about do you have faith, zeal, joy when you meet needs? Well, that's just one half. But here's the other half. What's happening on the outside as you begin to meet these needs? I mean, literally, what is going on? Is there fruit? Right? Are, are people being blessed? Again, Paul said these gifts are for the common good. I mean, is it good? As you begin to exercise and try to meet these needs? You know, I've personally experienced this. I've seen this in other people as well. But someone might think they have a spiritual gift because they're really good at something. Okay, maybe they're very organized. They're administrative. So then somebody goes, okay, I think you have this gift, so can you please organize this, right, this part of this church? And they're good enough, and so they go, okay, I'll do it. And then they start doing it, and you know what? They have no desire, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, I hate this. There's no joy. There's no satisfaction. You know what that is? That's a recipe for burnout. And if you keep doing it, it's a recipe for bitterness. So you, you got to actually evaluate, okay, yeah, I'm okay at this, but as I begin to do it, what's the fruit? Well, I hate it. I have no joy in it. But then I've also seen this other side where you might have a lot of desire and joy for something. And so you're so excited. You might even come up to me or a leader and go, hey, can I try this? I have so much passion for this. And we go, okay, join the worship team. <laughs> And you're like, I think I could lead, right? I think I could lead a set. And then you begin to sing, you can't sing. You try to play an instrument, you can't play an instrument, and you have no rhythm on top of that. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, you know, you're a precious soul, and you're a child of God. God loves you so much, but this is very bad, right? There is no fruit. It is not for the common good. It is for the common pain, right? It's, this is not good. And so what is that? That's a recipe for discouragement. So what am I saying? It's not just about like, oh, what am I good at? Right, what are the needs? Okay, it's more than that. Your ability has to also match with the good, right? the common good. Is there joy? Right? Does ability, your ability also produce joy within the church? You both have to come together. And how are you going to know that? You've got to rate your fruitfulness. Okay? You don't just see a need and look inside of you, but you also look around. Okay, how, how is it? How is it as you begin to do these things? 
Again, I mentioned earlier a spiritual gift survey, but again, it's not like the one be-all tool, but, but this could also help, right? Spiritual gift survey, they also kind of examine what's the fruit, right? Have you done this? What was the fruit? How do people respond? And so that could be another way you can examine. Okay, so we're almost done, but number five was rate your fruitfulness. Okay, number six, reach out to the church. Reach out to the church. The church has a role to play in you discovering your spiritual gift. Okay, Acts 13, two through four. This is the early church in Antioch. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So here, as they were worshiping God, the Holy Spirit said, I want Paul and Barnabas to do something special. Send them out to start new churches. Now, I believe the reason why Paul and Barnabas were sent out is because God called them, right? But it's not only calling, but I also believe it's because God gifted them. They were apostles. That's what an apostle is. That's what the gift of apostleship is. Go somewhere new and start new churches. Go where the gospel is not known or planted and start new churches. And so they were gifted to do it. But this is what I want you to notice. Notice how the church didn't just assume, oh yeah, oh yeah, they're called, they're gifted, go. They didn't just assume it, but, but what happened? Go back, read it carefully. When they were, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul for the work I've called them. And then what did the church do? Bye-bye. No, what did they do? Verse three, then they fasted and prayed. And then they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So what does that mean? The church didn't just go, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's your gift, go. But they confirmed. Do you see that? They played a role in confirming the gift on Barnabas and Saul. Yeah, we prayed, we fasted. Yeah, we agree. This is God's call. This is God's gift on your life. Go. So the church has a very huge role, very important role in confirming your spiritual gifts. You know, this was true in my life, but I remember uh, when I started out, very young in ministry, I was just, I think, a freshman in college. I was barely out of puberty. You know, I, I kind of joke about this. I, I don't know if this was true, but I remember feeling the top of my head when I was a freshman in college, and it still felt a little soft. And so I remember telling people, I still have this soft spot on the top of my head. I, I don't know, it was very bizarre. And I would tell people that. And they're like, dude, get, get out of here. Only babies have that, right? But it's like, no, no, I don't think I'm fully formed. But anyway... <laughs> I was like serving, starting to get into ministry. I had this little soft spot on the top of my head. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? I have no idea what I'm doing. And yet, little by little, you know how I got to the point of like preaching and teaching the word? It was the church. It's like, hey, Roy, have you tried this? Hey, why don't you lead this Bible study? I like it when you talk about the Bible. They, they even gave me an opportunity to preach. I remember preaching my first sermon as a junior in college. I, I think I've shared that before. And people said, you know what, you can, you can do better. <laughs> this is your first try, but that wasn't bad, right? Do it again, do it again, do it again. And so little by little, this is how I grew into my gifting of teaching and then some other gifts as well. But, but it's the church, right? The church will confirm. They will fast, they will pray, hopefully, and they will confirm. And you might be thinking, okay, I, okay, how do I do that, though? How do I do that for somebody else? Well, I think you already know what that looks like. Because all of you have experienced being around somebody who is flowing in their spiritual gift. And you know what that's like. Okay, you know what that's like. So you can confirm people in their gift. So for example, you've been around somebody with the gift of encouragement. And if they're encouraging you, what's happening? 
You're getting encouraged. Okay? You, you know what that feels like. You, you've been around people with the gift of helps. And as they begin to help you, what, what, what is happening? You feel very supported. You feel very helped. Okay? You know what that's like. Okay? You've been there when somebody has the gift of intercession and they're praying for you. And you know, oh my gosh, this is like not normal. There's power in this prayer. God hears this prayer. God hears all prayers, but especially this one, right? Why is that? Well, you're being prayed for by somebody with the gift of intercession. So what am I saying? You know what that feels like. You know what that experience is like. Well, if you do, then you also know when it's not like that, right? <laughs> you know when it's not like that. So then tell people, man, when you pray for me, that is powerful. When you encourage me like that, I feel so encouraged. It changed my day. When you taught that Bible study, like I usually zone out and think about other things, but I really zoned in. I understood that passage better because of you. You tell people. Or the opposite, right? It's like, (laughs) like, no, no, not again, right? Not again. But something else. So you can confirm people. And so the church has a huge role in that. And so if you're trying to discover your gift, then reach out. Ask people, hey, hey, how did it go? When I I led that Bible study or when I organized that event, like how did did it go in your mind? When I prayed for you? (laughs) Did you feel God's presence? <laughs> but just ask people. So that's the uh, sixth very practical step. And then here's the bonus one, and we're going to come to a close. But the bonus one is respond in worship. Okay, respond in worship. Initially, I thought this was going to be a, maybe a sub-point under the first one. So you receive from Christ, and then you respond in worship. But I wanted to make this a separate one. So this is number seven. Okay, the seventh practical way you can begin to discover your gift. When you begin to know what God did for you, and you understand the gospel, there's going to be a response. Okay, it's going to be a response that will directly lead to God revealing gifts in you. Okay, look at Romans 12, 1 through 2. Okay, this is in the context of gifts. But Paul said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, That word is a very strong word, appeal. It's almost like I beg. It's almost like the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying, I beg you. God doesn't beg for anything. He is God. And yet here he's just saying, I beg you. Please, listen to this. I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So what is that? That is a response to everything Paul said before. You've heard this before, right? But for 11 chapters, Paul is talking about the gospel, what Jesus did for you. Do you know what Jesus did for you? The new life you have in Jesus. Well, if you know that, then, therefore, I beg you, become a living sacrifice. Respond in worship to God. And in the Old Testament, they would take animals and then slaughter the animal and then put it onto the altar as a sacrifice. That's a dead sacrifice. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He doesn't want any of us to die. He's saying, I beg you, be a living sacrifice. Unlike these animals who are never volunteering or willing to get on the altar, all of us, we volunteer. Yes, I want to get on the altar and be a living sacrifice. I'm here, God. I'm on the altar, and I'm a living sacrifice. This is what Paul's talking about. And why is this so important? Well, the reason why this is so important is because unless you respond in worship, right, you have given your total heart to God in worship, God's going to say, you know what, maybe you're not ready to serve me and to use these gifts. And so he's going to actually wait. 
There are times when God isn't going to reveal his gifts in you. And so this is a very important step. You need to respond in worship. You know, I'm going to go back to my son again, uh, you know, him turning 16. But, but my son, let's say leading up to his 16th birthday, he's like, one day, you know, God just touched his heart and he comes to me and Jill and says, you know what, mom, dad, I've been thinking and praying and I want to be utterly submitted to you guys, right? I just want to yield my life into your hands. <laughs> you know, whatever you want from me, that is my will and my deepest heart's desire is your will for me, right? I'd be like, who are you? <laughs> Get out of my house. No, it's, like, it's like, whoa, Joshua, that is amazing. You want to be utterly submitted and follow our desires for you and be submitted to our will? Then what do you think is going to happen to me and Jill? Do you think we're going to take advantage of him? Yeah, we got him now, right? No, it's like, here's the car key, right? It's like, go. It's like, I think, I think you're good, right? You're going to be good. You're going to be ready to do whatever God has for you as you drive around the city. And so that's the way it is as we respond in worship. Okay? It just pleases God's heart. God's going to say, here, here are the keys. Okay, here are your gifts. I'm going to show them to you. Go use them for my glory. You're utterly you know, submitted to me in worship. So we're coming to a close, but we need to respond again in worship. Amen? You know, I heard this story. This is kind of an old school uh, pastor. Old school pastors are good. I heard him uh, share the story. And I don't know all the ins and outs of the story, and there's a lot of political intrigue and a lot of, you know, maybe even like difficult things behind this story. But, but I remember the story of the biggest diamond in the world. Have you guys heard of this diamond? But it's part of the crown jewels in England. But this diamond, which I heard was 105 plus carats. That is a big rock, right? That is a big diamond. But that diamond was a gift from an Indian prince. He was a Punjab prince to Queen Victoria in the 1800s. And so again, there's a lot of political turmoil and backstory, but, but the point is, is that he gave that gift to the queen when he was just a young boy. I think he was 11 years old when he gave that gift. And so at that time, he didn't even understand the worth of the diamond. He didn't even know exactly what it was or what, you know, what the meaning is, and yet he just gave it and it formed this alliance. And yet, many years later, when this young prince grew up, and he was a grown man now, he came back and visited the queen, Queen Victoria. And when he visited the royal family, he said, you know what, many years ago, I came here and gave you a gift. Do you mind if I see that diamond again? And the royal family was like, uh-oh, maybe he wants it back, right? And they were kind of nervous. And yet, when they brought it out and showed it to this prince, this prince, he just kind of carefully took it, looked at it, and then this is what he said, according to the story. But he gave it back to the queen and said, you know, when I first gave it to you, I didn't really understand what I was giving. But now, as a mature man, I give it to you with full understanding. I want to give it back to you again. Do you understand? He wants to give it to the queen again. And so that's the picture that I want to close with, is you've given your heart to God. I know you have. Maybe you gave your heart when you were in junior high. You didn't know what you were doing. But now as a much older person, and even yesterday during that mission training, I felt that way. Even as a 40-something-year-old pastor, having pastored for more than 12 years now, I felt like giving my heart to Jesus again with much greater understanding. And so how much more do you think God will be pleased by that? And he's going to say right along those following verses, here are your gifts. Use them for my glory. I'm going to show you the gifts I gave to you. Amen? You're going to discover your gifts. So let's just come before the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for your beautiful, beautiful plan for our lives and what you are doing. Thank you so much, God. And Lord God, we want to respond in worship.
That, that is the final word. Yes, we can study and take some surveys and do these practical steps, but, but in the end, Lord, we, we want to respond and worship. We want to offer again our lives to you. More precious, far more precious than the greatest diamond. We offer it again to you, God. And so, Lord God, please, please help us, God. We offer our lives back to you again, and we want to know what these gifts are you've graciously given to us, and we want to use them. Okay, we don't want to be a harm to the church. We want to be a help. We want to be a blessing. Help us to unwrap these gifts and begin to use them. Take a risk. Just look around and not just point out needs and complain about them, but, but take a risk. Do something about it. Lord God, thank you so much, God. You're going to build your church. You are building your church. I give you all the glory. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's just come before the Lord as we do every um, Sunday, but let, let's just spend a moment. Let's just spend a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, maybe today the only prayer request is, do you offer your heart again to God? With more understanding, more maturity than you had even a year ago. But do you offer your heart again to God? You know what Paul said? If you become a living sacrifice like that, you will discern, you will know and discern the will of God. Again, I think a big part of that is spiritual gifts because that's what he talks about in the very next few verses. You will know and discern God's will for your life and the spiritual gifts he's given to you. So let's just come before the Lord. Let's, let's offer ourselves to him in that kind of worship. We can even ask him, God, please show me the gifts you've given me. I want to begin to use them. But let's just spend a brief moment. Let's come before the Lord. Thank you.